Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com as well as rate, review of iTunes. We'll continue uh, the sessions of the Sira. Uh, today, the title would be The Attempts to Uproot the State in Medina. Uh, before we start talking about these attempts that took place by the, uh, the Mushriks and the Kuffar in Medina, or from the internal people of Medina, Let's just uh, uh, take a look uh, about the fact of the attempts to uproot or prevent uh, any, any, any state or any, any upcoming state. So this is not just related, the, the, the attempt to uproot the uh, state, it's not related to the state of the Prophet This thing happens everywhere and anytime. Uh, we have seen like uh, many times uh, the moment a strong state would feel that another new state that is coming in the picture and if they feel that state would be a threat to the existence of this state then they will do what it takes to stop that state from coming strong so what they do for example they would go and form what's so called an opposition in that state then they will start supporting them financially and sometimes intellectually give them certain ideas and then they will start telling them you should call for the idea of self-government or self-governing or self-ruling that exists nowadays that uh, uh, happens uh, nowadays and look for example what happened in, in southern Sudan in Sudan, because the idea is to split one strong, big, one big state that has a lot of resources, such as food, or water, or uh, agriculture, or just name it. And that state, you know, they 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 they, uh, they expect that this state might come one day to be a threat. So the point is what? The point is to divide. Sudan into two states. So what they did, they initiated what's so called the southern oppositions and they start supporting them. Here I'm talking about what? We're talking about the Europe and Americans. They start supporting those rebels against the central government of Sudan. Okay, that struggle took almost 20 years and ended up with what? End up with self ruling. Then it ended up with what? a complete separation and independence. So that is the idea. The idea of the attempt to suppress or the attempt to uproot or remove a state that something exists uh, from the time of the Prophet until now and it will continue. And it will continue. The same thing that's happening in Iraq, for example. There is an ethnic, they are Muslims called Kurds in northern Iraq. Now, they have implanted in their mind that you should have your own independence. But they're not giving it to them yet. Why? Because the time is not there yet. So they support them, they give them like uh, support, and they give them all of, all of what it takes, all of what it takes, in case Iraq as a large state that would come and cause a threat to them, then they would go and call for self 
ruling and that self-ruling will lead to independence and then it will lead into more division among the ummah more division among them again this is like also an attempt to suppress any upcoming strong state the same thing right now happening in syria all of these conspiracies that's happening in syria is to prevent an uproot and an, an islamic state from coming up in uh, in in, uh, in syria and now what they want they wanted muslims to clash with each other inside syria by sending troops from Saudi Arabia, from Bahrain, from different countries in the name of fighting terrorists, and in the name of fighting ISIS, in the name of fighting whatsoever. That's, their, that's, what, they, what, they, that's what they claim on the media. But in fact, in fact, they will send those troops over there to make sure that, that the regime stays as is. It won't develop a new state that will cause a threat to them like the state the prophet established in medina when quraysh look at that state as a threat and many times we have heard in the news for example the minister of exterior of russia uh, lavrov many times he would come and say if we don't stand with a sad regime then the repulse will establish the Khilafah state. That's what he says until now. That's what he, that's what, what he says. So that's why the, what they are doing now is exactly what the people of Quraysh was doing to the Prophet wasallam, as we will see. That's what exactly they are doing to the Muslims nowadays. They, they want to make sure that the state that was established in Medina more than 1400 years ago, they want to make sure that this state won't come again won't come again and they are doing the same thing the same thing nowadays they did in back back then by the time of the prophet we have seen we have seen that for example um in, in the 60s in the 60s in syria every month or two there was a coup why was that why that was why why that was happening that's happening because Britain would come and support some people to take over so they can uh, control and have influence in that country. Then two months later, US, CIA, they support somebody, somebody, they give them money, they support them financially, they give them what it takes, and then they have a coup and then they will take over. Last week I was watching a show on Al Jazeera, on, on, on Al -Jazeera uh, TV, uh, the show called Our History and Their Archive our history and their archive. In this show, they usually uh, bring incidents that happens more than 30 years ago in the Muslim world. And that time, last Thursday, they were talking about the coup of Qaddafi in Libya, which took place 40 years ago. So they start this, the question is this, the, 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 I mean, they started the show with this question. Was the coup of Qaddafi supported by the CIA and US or it was against the interest of CIA and US. That was the question. Then they start interviewing those people left and right. And they said, for example, at the beginning, Sanusi, the guy who became before Qaddafi, they say clearly, and this is like very well known now, they say that man came in power under the support of US. And when Qaddafi came in power, he removed the influence of the U.S. from Libya. So look at this. This is again the game that goes more and more and more again and again and again. An influence from outside trying to suppress or uproot or remove any power that could be a threat to their existence. That's exactly what the people of Quraysh did. And now we're going to see how Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam how Rasulullah reacted towards all of these attempts because these attempts will continue as we see the Ummah is approaching inshallah the victory that the Ummah, the Muslims are approaching their unity the Muslims are approaching their uh, you know to, to resume their Islamic way of life, of, of, of life to resume their identity their Islamic identity while that is happening 
than the attempts that Quraysh did at that time, the people now will do. The people now will do. So we want to see how Rasul reacted towards these attempts. How did he suppress? How did he go around these attempts and to look at them not as history as we say, no, we look at them as guidelines, as roadmap, as instructions for the Ummah when inshallah the victory comes. So we did talk about Rasul he established, first of all, the strong Islamic bonds between the Muslims, between Muhajireen and Ansar. And that Islamic bond is the Iman, the Aqidah, that the Muslims are all one nation. And then we said he documented this in a form of constitution, in a form of constitution, which we may call it or we record the constitution which was called the covenant the covenant of al Medina, the covenant of al Medina. so Rasulullah by this he fixed firmly the interior if you will the interior uh, head front of the society of Medina. it become very strong between the muslims now there is no issues they are one body, they are willing to sacrifice in the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. More and more, now, the work is to what? The work is to stop the attempts to, to uh, attack the Medina or the attempt to uproot this Islamic state. So these attempts will be internal and external. Something from inside the Medina and something from outside the Medina. First, let's take a look at the attempt to uproot the Islamic state from outside the Medina. And this happens through the main enemy of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or the main enemy of the state of Rasul sallallahu which was Quraysh. And those people, they took the stand of war with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the first attempt they did is what? Is let us go and form an internal opposition inside Medina among the mushriks of Aus and Khazraj. We will communicate with them. We will send them some sort of letters. That letters will, fall, will, will contain a threat and at the same time will contain a support. So it was narrated by Abdul Rahman ibn Ka'b ibn Malik. He said that the Infidels of Quraysh wrote a letter to Ibn Ubay, Abdullah Ibn Ubay Ibn Salul, the head of the hypocrites in Medina. And to those who were worshipping the idols from Aus and Khazraj, when the Prophet وسلم, in Medina and before the Battle of Badr, they said, you gave a protection to our people, means the Muhajirin. And Rasul telling them that you gave a protection to our own people. We swear by Allah, you should fight him, means the Prophet, or expel him, or we shall come to you in a full force until we kill your fighters and capture your women. Very clear threat. Either you will form a group within the Medina, that group has to fight the Muhajirin and the Prophet by killing them all or forcing them to leave. This is exactly what happens nowadays, right? That's what trying to do in Syria. They're trying to find a form of rebels inside Medina to fight the Prophet to cause a, 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 a state of unrest in, in Medina. So once this letter reached Abdullah ibn Ubay, ibn, uh, Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, and those who were worshipping the idols, they gathered together and they started planning how to fight the Prophet sallallahu alayhi he is the head of the state. And the head of the state doesn't mean that he is sleeping and relaxing and relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and having full tawakkul on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's it. Oh, 
The head of the state in Islam must do some work. The head of the state of Islam should not sleep, should not rest until he makes sure that this state is strong enough. Our Rasulullah he has his own intelligence. Our Rasulullah he had his own intelligence. So somebody brought the news to the Prophet وسلم, that there is a meeting led by Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salun, supported by Quraysh to cause a fitna or to cause a chaos in Medina. Now look at the attitude of the Prophet He was not in a position to go and face them, you know, through materialistic struggle. The time was not ready yet. The time was not ready yet. And he was talking to them, especially the people of Medina, the Mushrikeen of Aus and Khazraj, in always a soft tone. And as we said, Rasulullah was working to contain them, not to isolate them. He wanted to contain them. He wanted to make them part of the society. He wanted to give them a role in the society. And that's fine as long as he has the upper hand and he has the authority. And he has the authority. So he wanted to contain them and make sure that they won't be isolated in Medina to form successfully the opposition. So Rasul came and he visited them in their meeting while they were sitting and talking and planning. And he said, the threat of Quraysh to you has reached a level that scared you to the point, to the point that you decide to fight each other. They cannot conduct, they cannot conduct a plot against you, means Quraysh, they won't conduct a plot against you greater than what you yourselves intended to harm yourselves. So it means you will harm yourselves more than what Quraysh would harm you. Then he said and started now he was he started now reminding them with the Arab values and morals in Jahiliya, which is what? Are you willing to fight your sons and daughters? That was a big deal at the time of Jahiliya or the tribalism or supporting each other all right as a tribe that was big thing so Wasallam started invoking these values in them and telling them how would you go and fight your sons and daughters how would you do this then those people right away they realized what could happen to them and then they scattered and then they scattered so by the wisdom and by the planning of Rasul that attempt failed. But Quraysh would never give up. Now, Quraysh would send a real threat. To whom now? To the, to the Muhajireen in particular. So Quraysh sent to the Muslimin in Medina, telling them that, don't you think that you run away from us. Don't think that you escaped, you are safe in Yathrib. We will come to you. We will come to you and we will detach you from Yathrib and we will destroy the land that you live in now. Now somebody might look at this as what? It's just, you know, words that comes from the mouth of those people. Our Rasul did not look at this as like an abstract or like certain words that comes from the mouth of somebody who's upset. No. Our Rasul he was sure that this threat was for real. So Rasul when he reached Medina, he would not sleep. He stays awake. And there is a hadith that was narrated by Aisha radiallahu anha. She said, when the Rasulullah came to Medina, the first days in Medina, he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would not sleep. Would not sleep. He used to stay out and he used to stay up all night. And he was saying, Layta rajulan salihan min ashabi I wish that one of my companions, a righteous, one from my companions would come and guard me tonight so I can sleep. He wanted to sleep, he was tired, but still, the threat of Christ to him was serious. 
So while he was talking, he heard a voice that coming around the house of the Prophet and that sound was not a sound of somebody was talking, no, it was a sound of weapons like swords or whatever. Then the Rasul said, Who's this? Who's coming? Then Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, it happens that that was Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, he said, This is Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas. Then Rasul said, What brought you here? Then he said, Oh Rasulullah, I felt that I am so worried about you, so I decided to come and guard you. Then Rasulullah prayed for him, and then he did Rasulullah sleep. So this threat or this message that came to the people, to the Muslimin, was not for one night. The Muslimin used to be up all night and taken like shifts and guarding the Prophet and they continued they continue doing that until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this ayah Wallahu ya'asimuka nas and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will definitely protect you from people then Rasulullah came out to, the, to, the, to, 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 this, to his guards and he told them Insarifu anni faqad asamani Allahu azza wa jal you can go Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is protecting me. And this thing was happening also across the, you know, the society of the Muslimin. It was narrated that the Ansar and the uh, Muhajireen, when they used to sleep, they used to sleep fully armed and wake up fully armed. They wake up fully armed. So still, the threat is there. So what Rasulullah did towards this, he did two main jobs or two main tasks which are very important very crucial the first one Rasulullah he went and he signed couple of treaties couple of treaties with the tribes that is surrounding al Madina and the tribes that exist on the on the route, on the, on, the, on, the, on the business route for Quraysh. You know that there is a business route that goes to Bilad al-Sham to do business. That route goes through what? Goes through Al-Madina. Rasulullah would go and sign a treaty with those people. That treaty means what? It means that we should not you know, fight each other. Yet we should take care of each other. And one of these treaties was very special that we'll go over time, the treaty of Yahud or with the Yahud. So the tribes, the purpose of the tribes of around Medina is to put a pressure on Quraysh because the threat of Quraysh is still there. So this will put a pressure on Quraysh. If you want to play with the Medina, then your travel route in danger. Your travel route in danger. The second one, or the second task, or the second thing that Rasulullah did, and that's we inshallah later on we'll go over in details, which is Rasulullah used to send small divisions of armies around the Medina to show the people around the Medina that this is a strong state that has an army, very well prepared, and to, to take this news and get it to where? To the people of Quraysh. To realize that this is not a joke. And your threat is not a joke. And your threat is not a joke. The other attempt that the Quraysh put on the Prophet ﷺ, which is they decided to prevent the people of al Madina, in particular, the people of Aws and Khazraj from coming to Bayt Allah al-Haram to the Masjid in Mecca to do Umrah or Hajj. You're not allowed. You are protecting you know, this man and his companions. You are not allowed. It was narrated that Sa'ad ibn, uh, Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad anhu, the master of Al-Ansar he went to Mecca to perform Umrah. And 
he stayed by Umayya ibn Khalaf in Mecca. Then he told Umayya, why don't you find me a place or a time when it's not crowded so I can go and do the tawaf around Baytullah al-Haram. Then Umayya took him to do tawaf. While they were traveling towards Al-Kaaba, they met with the head of Kufr, Abu Jahl. Then Abu Jahl told Umayyah, Ya Abu Safwan, O oh Abu Safwan, who's this man with you? Then he said, This is Sa'd. Then Abu Jahl said, I see you going to do tawaf securely, with peace, with tranquility around Al-Kaaba. You are going to do this and you forgot what you have done? You have protected those people who leave who left their deen. And you claim that you will protect and support them. And you will help them. By Allah, if you are not with Abu Safwan, if you are not with this Abu Safwan, you will never get back to your people safe. Now, look at the response of Sa'd ibn Mu'ad radiallahu Islam. Islam has been embodied with those people, even though it's not even more than two years. He was not scared. He was telling, he did not tell him, well, that's it, this is the last time I won't do it. No. Abu Jahl was threatening Sa'd ibn Mu'ad, now look at Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad, how, how responsible, look at the dignity and the honor of Islam. When the aqidah, when the aqidah really is implanted in the heart of single man, that will create, you know, a, 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 if you will, a heroes, which is true. Then Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad replied to Abu Jahl with a very high voice, very high voice, he was yelling. And he said, أَمَا وَاللَّهِ لَإِنْ مَنَعْتَنِي By Allah, if you prevent me, if you prevent me from doing tawaf, I will prevent you with something more serious to you. I will block your route of business to Medina. Meaning, don't play games here. Don't play games with me. This is the honor and the dignity of Islam. He says, don't play games. You want to stop me? I will put obstacles and I will prevent you and I will stop you from performing your business towards Asham through Medina. So if you are threatening me, then yes, I will be threatening you. If you have something to do with me, I have something else to do with you. So don't play this game. Now, Quraysh proceed in their animosity of Islam. When all of this did not work, they started and they attempted to do an economic sanction against Medina and the state of the Prophet So the first thing they did was, what? They confiscated, they confiscated all of the properties of the Muhajireen in Mecca. The Muhajireen, when they left, when they migrated to Medina, they left behind them what? Their money, their wealth, their houses, their business, their lands, many things they left behind. So the Quraysh, they confiscated, they, confiscate, they confiscated all of their properties, all of their houses, all of their lands, all of their money, all of their wealth, including the house of the Prophet That's one thing. The other thing, they communicated now this time with who? With the Yahud. Why Yahud? Because Yahud, they had two main things over there. Number one, the main business and the main market, the main business and the main market that includes, you know, all kinds of trades, such as food, grains, cloth, jewelry, even weapons. It was by the community of Bani Qaynuqa in Medina. So they were controlling 
that market, this one thing. The second thing is they were controlling the will of warriors. All the water that irrigates Medina controlled by the people of the Jewish. So the Quraysh and they start communicating with them to block the market from the Muslimin and to block the water from going to the Muslimin. That's big thing. That's a big, huge sanction. So the Muhajirin, they lost all of their properties in Mecca. They don't have anything more, any more thing in Mecca. They lost it. Quraysh took it as they do nowadays. If, not, if the United States get upset with any country, what they do? Sanction. They do the sanction. Why is that? Why is that? Because they wanted to force them all right, to sign some sort of a treaties or they want to force them to give up some of their values. That's exactly what's happening right now. And that's exactly, for example, the pressure that's happening in, in, in Syria nowadays. There's like many cities, they are under sanction. Under sanction for months. Even for, 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 even for years. Why is that? Is to force them to go into what's so called political solution in, in Syria. So they won't think of any Islamic ruling of gov or, or government. The same thing here. They wanted to have this sanction around Medina so the people might give up their support to our Rasul and then the state will collapse. That's what their intention. That's what their intention. So these are two main issues. How did our Rasul act toward this? Two things. The first one, there was a big will in Medina and that will was owned by the Yehud and of course the Yehud they love money that's a fact that bi'r or that will called the bi'ru of Roma then Rasulullah came and he said now he is using what Rasulullah now started using the resources of Medina he started using the you know whatever resources that he has in Medina that resource could be like the human resources people who have money and who have the aqidah at the same time and or natural resources that might have in Medina. So he said, who would buy the will of Roma and I guarantee him Al-Jannah. Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu he came and he approached and he said, I will buy it and I will give it to the, to the Muslims. So he went, he paid for it it still exists nowadays. If you go to Medina, you will see a big sign, Bi'ru Uthman. They call it like the will of Uthman. It's still there. So that issue has been solved. That, that will was very big, but very huge. There's a lot of water. So the problem of what? The problem of water has been resolved. Done. Now, what about the market? Rasulullah, he went and he established and he initiated the first Islamic market in Medina. He looked for a place. And he told the Muslimin, from now on, do your business in this area. So this market, it became as what? It became as the Muslim market, and it competes with what? With the Yahud's market, Bani Qaynuqa. So it became, you know, that the, their, their, you know, their plan, it, it ends up like against them. It ends up against them. So this is what this is how Rasul uses, as we said, all of the resources, human resources, or natural resources to solve the problems of the Muslimi. Not what's happening right nowadays. The rulers nowadays, they open the lands for the West to come and to take the resources of the Muslims, such as oil or water or natural resources, take it to the, take it, then resell it to the Muslims with very high price, and then they keep the economic occupation in the Muslim land. The Ummah nowadays, they have the resources that will eliminate and, and, and stop what's so-called poverty. Poverty, but the, point, the, the thing is what? The thing is, we did not have a true Islamic <coughs> leadership that will take care of the Muslims' affairs in the right way. 
So then by its source, they call it and it's known as the food basket for the whole Ummah. Just Sudan by itself. Forget about Pakistan and other countries. Sudan by itself, it's the food basket. That means it has enough resources, resources that will produce food to the whole Ummah in a way that it will prevent and stop poverty and eliminate what's called a uh, what's called uh, unemployment. So with this action that Rasulullah did, he overcome the economic sanction. Now the Muslimin they have their own market, they have their own business. The war has been resolved. Now Quraysh, when they tried all of these attempts, they went into another level. They went into another level. That level is the military operations. So sanctions not work, preventing them from coming to Al-Haram and pray, that won't work, okay? The sanction that did not work, like forming internal opposition, that did not work. Now, they started their attempts of military operation. And in this time, and at, at this time, on the second year of Hijrah, in Rabi' al-Awwal, they appointed one man, his name is Kurz ibn Jabir al-Tahri, with you know, uh, a group of uh, fighters among the mushrikeen and they approached not the core of Medina, they approached the, let's say the suburbs of Medina where they used to keep their sheep and camels. So this man, he did not go and enter in a conflict, materialistic conflict with the Muslims, no. He went and he steal some, you know, some of the sheep and he ran away. Now Rasulullah when Rasulullah heard about him, Rasulullah he left Medina with 70 among the Sahaba to chase him, to chase him, and he has the liwa, which is, was a white flag, okay? And he kept chasing them until he came to a wadi or a valley called the, the Valley of Sifwan, which is very close to Badr. And that, that uh, operation itself was called the Battle of First Badr. Not the, the Battle of Badr that happened, the Great Battle of Badr. No, this one happened a couple of months. A couple of months. Rabi' al-Awwal means like, maybe like three, four months before uh, the Battle of, uh, of, of Badr. Uh, the Battle of Badr. So again, Quraysh, they will continue doing that. We will see that they come in the Battle of Badr, then the Battle of Uhud, then Ghazwat al-Khandaq. Right after Ghazwat al-Khandaq, they start losing their you know, power and their force. And the power of Islam start like gaining, gaining momentum. Gaining momentum right after the Battle of Al-Khandaq and the Treaty of Al-Hudaybiyah, as we will see inshallah ta'ala. So all of these attempts from, we're talking about what? We're talking about still, we are in the second year of Hijrah. Yani not, not even two complete years. Not two complete years, it's just one and a half year maybe or less. All of these attempts, and we have seen that Rasulullah he was deal, dealing with them in a way. Of course, we don't look here and see any miracles. Even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could help the Prophet in a way to, you know, to, to, to overcome all of these issues. But the point here is what? Rasulullah is, as we say always, he is giving us a road map in how to solve your issues. All of these attempts, as we said, all of these attempts, it's, it was not just at the time of the Prophet These attempts, we see them nowadays. We see them now. Now we see all of these attempts. Not to prevent or to uproot an Islamic state that exists, no. These attempts even to prevent the Islamic state from coming back. Especially we see this, all of these conspiracies, we see them as we said, in Syria now. All of these conspiracies that they are doing is because they feel that if we leave Bashar al-Assad fall, then there is a big chance that Syria will end up in the hands of uh, a, called, uh, an, a state called Khilafah. 
So what they are doing, they are creating their own oppositions. They are certain, certain support, they are supporting certain people against the others. And now, as we said, they are about to send Muslim troops from Saudi Arabia over there so the Muslims will fight each other. For the benefit of who? For the benefit of the West. So these attempts will never end. External attempts to uproot or destroy the state or from internal uh, people. Now, we will go over and look at the internal issues in Medina, and here we are talking about mainly the Yahud. The Yahud and their dirty plots against the uh, Muslimin. Rasulullah used to look at them as what? People of the book. Ahlul Kitab. And the Quran talks about them. Some of them, they were very rude, very bad, very ugly. Some of them, they were good. So Rasulullah with the people of Medina, be it the Mushriks of Aus and Khazraj, or the Yahud, as we said, he used the soft tone with them. As we said, he doesn't want to create an isolation society, an isolated society within the society that will cause a problem. So Rasulullah, he used to approach them every time. In every place he finds them, he used to approach them, he used to sit with them, he used to talk to them, he used to argue with them. He used to call them all the time. He used to call them to Islam, but as usual, they will never listen. And I will just give you one incident that took place with the Prophet وسلم, about uh, one of the uh, priests of the Yahud uh, or one of the rabbis of uh, the Yahud. Uh, his name is, he used to name his was Al-Husayn ibn Salam. Then the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam named him Abdullah ibn Salam. So this guy, he came to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he said, I will ask you a few questions and based on your answer, I will find out if you are a prophet or no. Because these answers or these questions, no one knows them except a prophet. Then Rasulullah, of course, with a soft tone, without any anger, he said, yes, go ahead. He said, the first one, the first question is uh, about Ashratu Sa'a. Ashratu Sa'a is what? Is the signs of the Day of Judgment. What is the first one from Ashraqu And then, what would be the first food the people of Jannah will eat? That second question. First question is what? What is the first sign of the Day of Judgment? Then, what is the first food that the people of Jannah will eat? And then, he says, when the baby, the newborn baby, would take the features of his dad, or the features of his mother. That's our, these are the, the questions. Then Rasulullah said, okay, the first answer, which is the first signs of a sa'a is a fire. A fire that will lock the people from east to west. And the first food the people of Jannah will eat means an extra thing on the liver of the whale. And the answer for the third question, which is when the boy or the baby takes the features of his mother or the features of uh, of uh, his uh, father, he said, if the water of the man overcomes the, the water of the woman, then the boy will look like his father. Otherwise, he will look like his mother or his uncles from his uh, mother's side. Then he said, Ashhadu annaka Rasulullah. 
I bear witness that you are the messenger of Allah. But he said, O oh, Rasulullah, look at now the Yahud and their thoughts and their anger and their animosity and their, you know, wicked uh, planning against the Rasul and the state of the Rasul. Then he said, Ya Rasulullah, that the Yahud means they lie. They never say the truth. And he's among the Yahud. Al Husayn ibn Salam or Abdullah ibn Salam, he is among Yahud. If they know about me entering Islam, then they will call me a liar. Before they sit down to you and listen to you. So Rasulullah told him, why don't you go inside, don't show your face to them, and then I will talk to them. So Rasulullah he told him, go inside, and he called a group of the uh, Yahud, and he said, What do you think about, or What do you think about Abdullah ibn Salam? He said, A'lamuna. The most knowledgeable man. And he is the son of the most knowledgeable man among us. And he is the most one who knows. And the son of the most of the son of the one who the most one who knows among us. What do you think if Abdullah ibn Salam becomes a Muslim? Then they said, we seek refuge to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from that. We wish he won't do it. And he won't do it. At that time, at that moment, Abdullah ibn Salam came out and he said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna muhammadan rasulullah. In front of them, then what they said, فَقَالُوا You are the worst among us and you are the son of the worst among us. And they start cursing him in front of the Prophet Look at the attitude and the attitude of those people towards their own man. And he was a rafai among, him, among them. As long as he was with them, he's good, he's perfect, he's the most knowledgeable, he's the one who knows everything. As long he is not a Muslim. As long he stays with us. But the moment they knew that this man became a Muslim, they started cursing him left and right. Those people, the Yehud or the tribes of the Yehud, we will see that some of them they were executed. Some of them they were killed. Some of them they were, you know, kicked out of Medina. But Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa did not do that until he exhausted all of his effort to bring them to Islam. And as we will see, he did, he did a treaty with them and they betrayed this treaty, all of them. So they did not leave a Prophet any excuse to forgive them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about them, وَجَحَدُوا بِهَا وَاسْتَيْقَنَتْهَا أَنفُسُهُمْ أَنفُسُهُمْ ظُلْمًا وَعُلُوًّا فَانْظُرْ كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ الْمُفْسِدِينَ And they rejected those signs with arrogance. And look what would be the end result of those people. Another story that was narrated by Safiya, the wife of the Prophet which was the daughter of Huyay ibn Akhtab. Huyay ibn Akhtab one of the enemies of Rasulullah among the Yahud. And his brother, his name was Abu Yasir ibn Akhtab. She says, when I was little girl, young, when my father and my uncle, they come to the house, I started, you know, you know, like, uh, uh, in their attention. I want to uh, grab their attention. Once they see me, they used to carry me, they used to play with me, they used to, 
give me what I want. On the day the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam migrated to Medina. The day the Prophet migrated to Medina. They came, they entered, and they were very upset. They were very depressed. I start, you know, trying to get their attention many times and they never pay attention to me. And I hear them talking about the Prophet So they were said, is he the Prophet? Then one of them said, yes, he is the Prophet. So they know what the people, the people of Quraysh, they knew that Muhammad was a true Prophet. Was a true Prophet. So they said, one of them said, yes, he is the Prophet. What you gonna do? Then Khayyub Raqtab said, I will take the side of any Muslim. I won't follow him. I won't follow him. With all of this, Rasulullah was aware of all of their attempts. And he knows that, Rasulullah, he knew that those people could be a real threat to this state because they are within Medina. So Rasulullah, he took a very crucial and very important political decision. That political decision is to form a treaty with the tribes of the Yahud. So with a treaty, there is like potential that he will control and contain them more. So all of the attempts, he tried with them, it did not work. He trying to call them for Islam, he trying to bring them to Islam, they did not. And we have seen what they did with their own, you know, with their own uh, rabbi, uh, the, the, the uh, Abdullah ibn Salam. How that right away, they flipped. They flipped right away. He was the best, now he is the worst. So Rasulullah, he signed a very important treaty with the Yahud. And that treaty has almost 10 points or 12 points. I will go over them very quick, inshaAllah. And to look at the importance of this treaty. And more important is to compare this treaty with the Islamic State at that time and the treaty that's been signed by the Yahud nowadays. And you will see the big difference. And unfortunately, to see how some people, they will look at this treaty as an evidence and prove that Rasul he did a treaty with the Yahud, so why don't we do it? We can't do it. That's what they claim. That's what they claim at least. So the treaty is as follows. He says, in the Yahud, Bani Awf, you know what, let me just get the English translation here. Because they, uh, we have some. So the Yahud, the Jew of Bani Auf, with the Mu'mineen, are one nation. So they live in the same borders. They become one nation. However, lil Yahudi dinuhum, Everyone has his own deen and religion. Nobody will force the other to change his deen. Nobody will force the other to change his deen. You stay with your deen and you, they stay with deen. But we are as one nation within the borders of Medina. Within the borders of Medina. The second one. وَإِنَّ عَلَى الْيَهُودِ نَفَقَتُهُمْ وَعَلَى الْمُسْلِمِينَ نَفَقَتُهُمْ Now the Yahud should take of their financial affairs with their own people and the Muslimin would take care of the financial affairs of the Muslimin. Okay, all right, next. Now look at the, at the point here. The point here, which is very important. Now he wants to stop and prevent any connection with the Yahud and any external power outside. So he says, if there is a third party would come and attack Al-Madina, then they have to support each other and help each other. The Mu'mineen and the Yahud and the Muslimin and the Yahud, they have to support each other in a way to protect the Medina. 
from any external attack. Number four, وَإِنَّ بَيْنَهُمْ النصح والنصيحة والبر دون الإثم. Each party shall hold, you know, as a consultation, as a counsel with the other, with mutual mutual relation, shall be founded righteous sin, the sin to be forbidden. Means they have to have a form of advice among each other among each other and they should support each other unless and until that support is not a sin means that relationship and support must be within the borders of what of islam <coughs> must be with the border of islam that's number five that neither shall commit sins to means means if you have an alliance and that alliance do any mistakes you are not responsible for his mistakes even though he is your alliance anyone who is oppressed must be supported and if there is a war against against the state, then the Yahud must must financially spend to protect the Medina. To protect the Medina. Now, and if there is any dispute between the people of this treaty, means who? The Yahud and the Muslimin, where do we go? What is the reference? Look at this. This is like, again, the signs of, of dignity and honor for Muslims, not like the treaties that's happening nowadays. It's all against Muslims and against the Ummah. It gives the Yahud the authority on the Baytul Maqdis, it gives them the, 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 the authority to control and take over an Islamic land. This is what was the treaty of Rasul when he said if there is a dispute between the people who assigned this treaty where they go they have to refer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to his messenger so the reference to solve the dispute between them and Muslims has to be based on Islam not to be based on United Nations or Security Council, or United States, or Russia, or Europe, or those who are supporting the Yahud nowadays. And look at this final one. وَإِنَّهُ لَا تُجَارُ قُرَيْشٌ وَلَا مَنْ نَصَرَهُ That's the point. Quraysh should not be given any promise or any protection. Not Quraysh only. Quraysh and whoever support Quraysh. You see, that's from the beginning. Quraysh had multiple attempts to initiate internal opposition from the Yahud and from the Mushrikeen. This means what? The people of Quraysh, they were, the people of Yahud, they were forced. They had no choice but to sign this treaty. And they did sign this treaty. With this treaty, with this treaty, Allah he put all types of restriction on those people, all, all types of restrictions on those people, and he breaks all the connection that could happen between them and the people of Quraysh who keeps attempting to fight and uproot the Islamic State. If we look at this treaty, and if we look at today's treaties, and unfortunately many people among the Muslims, they said we respect this treaty between the Egyptians and the Yahud or between Jordanians and the Yahud or between, between Palestinians and the Yahud. And when they are asked, how do you come up with this? How could you accept a treaty with a people who are occupying the land of the Muslims? They say, well, Rasul did a treaty. It looks like they know that Rasul did a treaty. But what is the details of this treaty? 
Who's been benefiting by this treaty of the Prophet It's all Muslims. But what's the treaty nowadays? The treaties nowadays give recognition to the Yahud to have authority on the lands of Muslims. Our Rasul he was doing a treaty with the Yahud who were living there naturally, did not come and occupy the land. And the treaty nowadays, what is the reference of this treaty nowadays? It's all the United Nations and the Americans and the US and the British and the UK and all of those guys. They are the reference of this treaty. They are the ones who are supporting this treaty. So where, where is the similarity here? But this treaty of Rasulullah it's been referenced to what? To the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This treaty has full honor and dignity to Islam and the Muslim and the Muslims. And never, never, never give or give up anything from Islam. But as we will see, this treaty also with those Yahud, it was the main reason for the Prophet to force them to leave Medina. Why? As we'll see, they, as usual, that's their nature, they betrayed all of these treaties and they did not fulfill the, the, the covenant that's been taken, that, that's been given uh, to them by the Prophet Did they stop after that? No. They did not. They start dealing with the Muslimin in a different form. That form is the intellectual struggle. Means they tried, they started asking the Muslim questions. They tried to make the Muslimin, you know, or initiate some sort of doubt in the aqidah of the Muslimin as it is happening nowadays. Look at the attack on Islam and Muslims nowadays. Attacking the Muslim their aqidah. They wanted to bring the Muslimin in a way when somebody looks at you, they tell you are a Muslim, you will end up saying, I am a moderate Muslim. I am not terrorist. I am not this. I am not that. That's exactly what happens nowadays. And that's exactly what happened with the Prophet ﷺ when those Yahud came and they wanted to create this conflict or unrest, intellectual unrest in Medina. I will just mention one, one story and then Shahtal will continue next time. This is about uh, Mu'ad ibn Jabal when he was sitting one time in Medina and he was addressing the Yahud and he was telling them, O people of Yahud, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and enter Islam. You were telling us, you were telling us that this time is a time for a prophet to come. And when this prophet, when this prophet comes, we will follow this prophet and we will fight you back. That's what you are seeing, what you are saying back then when we were mushriks. That's Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad. Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad ibn Jabal, I'm sorry. Mu'ad ibn Jabal ibn Jabal. He says, and you used to describe him for us. And you used to give us a clear description about this prophet. Here's the prophet. He came. Why don't you follow him? Then one of them, his name was Salam ibn Mishkim. He said, he did not come to us with something that we know. And he is not the one we used to tell you about. He is not the prophet we used to tell about. Now Rasul he was supported directly by the wahi. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this ayah. And when there come to them a book from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala confirming what they had before. When they used to tell the mushrikeen that a prophet will come, when the prophet came, when the prophet came, they says, we don't know anything about then they commit kufr and curse and perish the people of kufr. That's what the ayah says. Inshallah, next time we'll continue uh, the attempts, the internal attempts of the Yahud. And we will talk about more of the action of the Prophet which is, is the military maneuvering.
around Al Madina to show the strength of uh, the state, and then we will talk about Taala the great battle of Badr. Jazakumullah khair. Subhanallah. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com. 